0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. So if you will please stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's Word. I'm going to read to you a story that doesn't sound all that encouraging, but just stick with me. Stick with me. This will encourage us, and it may just wake up. Wake up, Ridgecrest Baptist Church. Listen to this. Now when they heard these things... They were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. This is Acts chapter 7, verse 54. But he, this is Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God Lord, we have watched you move in mighty ways. We have seen your hand at work. God, we know that you are at work. And in spite of all the challenges we have faced, God, you have shown us that you are in control. We read a story like this and we see a brother dying for his faith. It would seem like there is a world out of control, but we know, God, that even from brokenness, you bring blessing and this morning, the people who walked in this room broken, may they leave blessed. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Your personal faith is one of the wonders of the world. You've been given a tremendous gift, something beautiful that God has given you alone that you can use to share the gospel with hurting souls in this world. Every one of you have a testimony of grace. You have the capacity to be a light shining in the darkness. And I want you to know your light, your witness can transform the world. There is no need to put it off. There is no need to delay it. If you are here today and you are a child of God, your personal faith is one of the wonders of the world. The only wonder here is why you haven't been sharing it up until now. That's the wonder that you need to think about. That's what you need to be thinking of in your heart. Now, we've seen in this passage that Stephen is martyred. And we see this sad picture of suffering in this passage. In fact, we see almost an echo of the passion of Christ. Now, Stephen's death is not equal to the passion of Christ, but there are parallels. There are certain things that are both terrible and beautiful that we see in closer scrutiny of the text Ultimately, what we see is grace upon grace. But I want you to know, as Jesus died, he cried out these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These are the ones who are crucifying Jesus. He says, Father, forgive them. And in our passage, I just read to you a moment ago, as Stephen is taking his last breath on earth, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Where is that spirit in our age? Where is that willingness to provide forgiveness? Have you noticed the world is in opposition to the gospel? Have you noticed that the world is going to go after the desires of their heart, which means they're going after incredibly wicked pursuits in this world? Don't you realize that the sinner doesn't know what they do? They don't understand. They think that life is this short trip and they've got to get the most out of it. But will we forgive them and love them and lead them to Jesus? Your faith is a wonder of the world. You have something beautiful to offer this world. But what we tend to do, brothers and sisters, instead of sharing the love of Jesus, even when we're hurting, even if we're dying, We tend to be the kind of people that only point out the sin. And we do not sound very forgiving when we do it. I want you to look at this passage and I want you to see the heart of Jesus. And I want you to see the heart of Stephen. These were men who had reason to be upset. They had reason to be agitated. But they said, Father, forgive them. The church today... If we are going to reach the world for Jesus, we have to change our tune. We're going after people like they're all wicked, and they are, but so are you. Love them. I'm sick and tired of reading social media where all we know how to do is tell the world how terrible they are. Duh. You are not contributing to the conversation. You're clouding up the conversation. The world needs the forgiving spirit of Jesus. Tell them about the love of Jesus first, and then believe that the spirit of God changes people after the fact. We believe in the power of God, amen? Amen. We have a witness. And when we allow that witness to shine The hardest hearts, the most sinful sinners change. This story is about the power of Jesus working through a martyr named Stephen to reach a lost soul named Saul. Saul was the guy that no one saw coming. He was the guy that no Christian would have thought would ever follow Christ. But he did. And the reason he did is because Stephen, as he dies looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus standing up and he says, Lord, they don't even know what they're doing. They don't get it. But he showed love. I believe that it was that example of incredible love that began to break down the hard heart of Saul. Listen, we can say, That we want to reach our community for Jesus. That we want to share the gospel some 8,400 times. Do you realize in those 8,400 conversations, many of them have no desire for God and no desire to hear you talk about him. The only way that they are going to change is when they feel the love of Jesus flowing through you. This story of martyrdom is an inspiration to us not to be martyrs, but to be loving. To believe that if we allow love to flow through us, anything is possible. That there is no limit to who God can reach and change. Listen, the last 18 months, I have felt what it's like to have faith under pressure. But listen to this. Faith under pressure leads to a beautiful witness and the beautiful conversion of many souls. I realize that we are hurting, church. I realize that in our culture, we are fighting an uphill battle. We are worried about our children and our children's children's future. I get it, but we cannot keep going on like this. I am saying right here, I am putting my foot down. Ridgecrest, I don't know what everybody else is going to do, but we are going to preach the love of Jesus. We are gonna tell people who are in sin right now that there is hope because Jesus saves We are going to be joy-filled in our worship. We are going to be overflowing with love. When you make that post, when you have that conversation, make sure that love comes out first. Make sure grace guides everything you do. Oh, friends, it is a challenge to witness for Jesus in this world. But this is a challenge we are up to, amen? Let's find out more about that. Friends, there is a terrible rage amongst troubled souls. If you look closely at our text in verse 54, you see a word like enraged. You see a phrase like ground their teeth at him. That doesn't sound like somebody who's having a good day. Stephen was bold, bold as an Old Testament prophet. Remember last week what he said? You stiff-necked people, I'm just reading verse 51, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. And he goes on from there. Stephen has preached a hard message. This is not a message that is seeker sensitive, so don't get me wrong. We have to love people, but we have to tell them the truth. Stephen is telling the truth, but he's telling the truth in love. He's bringing out the sinfulness of the people, the brokenness of the people. Friends, we need to realize this. The sharp edges of the word will cut through any sin. Your words won't cut through the sin. God's word will. God's word must expose our unrighteousness to prepare us for the righteousness of God. Let me say something that may be controversial in our modern context. Until a person understands the nature of their sin, they cannot appreciate or receive the righteousness of God. Never sinned, never saved. Before a person is saved, the Holy Spirit convicts them that they need to be saved from sin. And so the church's job is to lovingly and graciously tell the world what God's word says. The law is what you ought to be doing, but none of you are doing it. That's what we see in the New Testament. That's what Paul is telling us in the book of Romans. But hear me out. Jesus' righteousness that we receive through the cross of Jesus gives us his righteousness. Oh, friends, when we hear gospel truth... There are a number of different ways our hearts might go. If you share the gospel with someone, it is very likely that they won't hear anything at all. They will be completely unmoved by the gospel's challenge to our sinfulness. Now, even today, I'm not joking around, I'm not playing with you, but the truth is, many of you are in that mode right now. You're hearing me, but you're not listening. I'm talking about sin, and you're thinking about lunch. I'm talking about love, and you're thinking about... This afternoon, playing some golf or fishing, you're not listening to me. Now, I'm not offended. I've been doing this a long time. I've been not listened to by a long time, even before I became a father. (laughs) I've been preaching since age 19. I've been ignored by a Baptist for nearly 30 years. So you don't intimidate me, but you break my heart. Because how can we continually come and hear the gospel and not be moved by it? There's a second uh, reality though. Most people don't listen at all. A handful of folks are deeply touched by the gospel, feel remorse for their sins, and this leads to repentance. Now that's what we want to see. Even among Christians, as God begins to speak to us, we ought to be convicted. Right now, the Spirit ought to be bringing into your mind where you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's okay. Let it come because Jesus will take it away. But there's a third response. And that is some people just get plain mad about it. Most people ignore it. Some people receive it. Other people just get plain mad about it. That's our text. These are people getting plain mad about it. They are enraged. They don't want to hear the gospel truth. They think that they are serving God We see these people grinding their teeth. And in the Old Testament, this is a a visible sign of hostility and rage. Some have said that this is a picture of someone losing their minds. A heart filled with rage leads to digression of the soul. It never leads to progression of the soul. Rage kills reason. Let's park there for just a moment. I want you to hear me. I feel like when I listen to Christians today, I hear more rage than reason. I hear more discontent and malcontent than mercy and a desire to disciple. Friends, we cannot allow the culture to make us angry because when we get angry, we will not love. And if we will not love, we will not move the dial of lostness. I see too many of us worked up over the news and never seem to find time to be worked up over the lost soul next door. I have more conversations about what was on Fox News last night than I do about witnessing to people or being there for people who are hurting and vulnerable. Now, Fox News, CNN, just so you know, I don't watch any of it. Somebody asked me last week about some explosion that happened in Springfield. I didn't even know it happened. I was reading in the 16th century, so I missed it somehow. I don't know how. Uh, listen, I, I, I learned a long time ago that my heart isn't geared for politics and news. Let me tell you why. Can I think it through? Can I, can I understand the times? I think I can. But you know what? The more I think about all that negativity, the more negative I become. And I don't know about you, but you don't need more negative. You don't need it from me. And let me just go ahead and say, <laughs> I don't need it from you. We need each other don't we? We need to encourage one another. I get it. I understand the world is a messed up place. You don't have to tell me that, but I know there's a solution and so do you. And I am tired of us being filled with rage all the time, upset, mad, mad, not just at the world, but we find ways to be mad at each other. No, Jesus expects more. I have never, ever had an argument with someone and walked away and felt better about my world. But I can tell you, every time I've been faithful to be kind to someone, to smile, I'm not talking about just sharing the gospel, I'm just talking about being a good human being. I never walk away from that feeling bad. I may not have made a difference, but I have left a a bit of positivity. And rage will never let us do that. Saul and his brothers at this time, were raging. They were raging. They were religious and raging. And I read this this past week, and I thought about it. That's us. We are, as a collective, Christian Christianity today, as a collective, is more angry-sounding than loving. We must change it. The conversation must change. The attitude, brothers and sisters, must change. It should not require Rich telling you to have joy if you're a Christian. It should not require me telling you to love if you're a Christian. But you know what? We needed to hear that this morning. All of us. Because the church, not just you or me, the church, not just Ridgecrest, the church, Big C, is losing its way. We're losing ground every day. And some of us think that if we'll argue better on politics or be more angry than the next guy, that somehow we'll win them. We will not. The devil is perfectly happy with your agitation. He is not happy when you love. Let's fight this battle together. Let's fight this battle believing in love. Saul was a young man. The Greek word here, means between the ages of 25 and 40. I'm not a young man anymore. Anyway, he approved of Stephen's execution. Chapter 8, verse 1. Stephen's place of martyrdom is set here in this stage but, uh, of the story. But this doesn't stop Saul. Saul continues to ravage. He goes and, and persecutes more. We don't know how many more people lost their lives because of Saul's sin, but I would assume it was many. The disciples, we are told, stay in Jerusalem a little bit longer. It's kind of the picture of a captain of a ship going down with the ship. They're ready to go down with the ship until the Spirit moves them out into uh, the rest of the world. And that's where the Great Commission really kicks off. We'll be talking about that in the months to come. Even from this persecution, we see beauty come from the ashes. But look at these people, enraged, grinding their teeth, ravaging. Let it never be said that any of those words describe who we are, and what we do. Rage has no place in the church. Your anger will not bring healing, but your love will. One more word of wisdom here. You can't be filled with anger and the Holy Spirit. Your your heart doesn't have enough room for both. You must choose this day which one you will cling to. What does the spirit-filled life look like for you and me? Look at verse 55. But Stephen, he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Friends, let me say this. Please be light in the darkness, no matter how dark the darkness may be. Do you realize that the darker the world becomes, the brighter your light will be? The Bible is blunt and it tells us a sad story of a fallen world that is continually going to get darker and darker with each passing day but that can't stop your witness. The world needs a beautiful gospel. The world needs you. I understand the ugliness in this world. What's the solution? Is it you being stirred up? Yes, stirred up in love. You having a beautiful countenance. You know, Saul could look in Stephen's face as he left this world and saw peace. And too many people in the church do not have that peace. We need to be beautiful. There are are few, just a few people in the world who are filled with nothing, who really don't want anything, have no desires and care for nothing. But I'll tell you, most people want to make something of their lives. They want to... They're motivated to do something. The people who make the biggest impact on the world are those who are filled with either love or hate. Now hear me. Reading our history is good in this way. When you read the stories, and let me just go to one that's familiar. When you read the stories of Stalin and Hitler and the militaristic regime of the Japanese in the 1920s and 30s, what you begin to realize is, is all it takes is a handful of people to turn the world into mass chaos. When, when hate, hate is not as strong as love, but it is powerful. And it is a forest fire out of control real quick. But on the other hand, we look in history and see the great saints of the past and we realize that those individuals are able to change the world for good. The power of love can bring great positive experiences into the world, but the only way that we will be filled with love is if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to realize this. I told you that there are a few people in the world that just care for nothing. There are some people in the world that just want to be hateful. And there are other people in the world that want to be filled with love. Those last two things, hate and love, it is rare to find somebody in this world that maxed out both. But Saul did. He maxed out hate and because the Holy Spirit got to work, he maxed out love. You see, that is a rare story indeed, but one that we need to listen to because if we believe that God, through Jesus Christ, can change a man like Saul, he can change anybody. And that is the power of the Spirit and the power of love. Saul approved of Stephen's death. He was there and he was okay with it. He was willing to go and pull families apart. He was willing to persecute until God got a hold of him. Listen, hate can set the world on fire. Only love can put out that flame. The love of Jesus can extinguish the flame of hate. It is true in Saul's life. It is true in your life. Let me just ask the question this way. Why is wickedness and hate growing at such a fast pace in our culture? Why? Well, I've been hinting at it all along this morning. I think it's because the church isn't pouring out enough love to extinguish that flame. You see what I'm saying? I hear all the time about how bad the world is going. I don't disagree. Many of you, your ideas and your philosophies are right in line with mine. I'm not, here, I'm not here to disagree with you on any of those things. But here's what I am saying. How can the church expect to extinguish a flame as hot as hate with anything less than the love of Jesus? If you would agree with me that the world is going to a bad place, I won't say where because there's little kids in the room, If you would agree with me that wickedness is on the ascent, that everywhere you look, it seems like people are calling right, wrong, and wrong, right. If you would agree with me, and many of you do, then why do you think you can fix the problem by continuing to gripe and moan and complain and throw your words at people and tell them how terrible they are? Listen, I get it. I'm not saying you're wrong, but you have to hear me. We must love people in the name of Jesus first. We will not win people to Jesus if we come across angry. When I was a young man, I know you don't believe this. When I was a young man, I was a little passionate. When I would speak, I I would be passionate. Can can you believe this? Um, Even today, I have to watch it. Like when I'm being intense like this, I have to say, Smile, Jeremy, smile, Jeremy, smile, Jeremy. I'm not angry, I am intense. Okay, but doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I can I can say that all day long. I remember I was sharing the gospel with with a a lady, and she was my soccer coach. She was one of the two soccer coaches we had, and we were going on on a we were just going like an hour away. I think to Marion, uh, Marion, Kentucky. I think it was or Illinois. I don't know. Uh, We were going somewhere, and I just remember I was I I thought I was really making some good points and sharing the gospel. And right as I thought that she might follow Christ, she said, "Hey, you know why are you angry?" Well, I could sit there and make excuses, but the truth is, I didn't mind my my face. I didn't mind my heart. I was was intense and I was trying to win a soul and I I was doing everything I thought was right, but it was a total bomb. Completely pushed this person away. You know, I think about her face. It comes up in my mind, not every day, but a lot. Man, I have a lot to answer for when I face Jesus. My witness has been weak more often than not. And I'll tell you, most of the times I have failed in sharing the gospel is because I went in guns blazing instead of love flowing. The fire of hate is burning bright in our land. Amen? It's it's burning bright. Sin is, is burning bright. It feeds that fire. But your love, the beautiful faith you have in Jesus and the love of Jesus that has been put in your heart can put out that flame. Oh, don't add to the anger and disgust out there in social media. Don't add to anything negative because that leaves no room for love. Ah, we are shouting out. I said this a few weeks ago. We are shouting out very loud what we're against and no one knows what we are for. I am for the glory of God. I am for the love of God. I am for the grace of God. I am for biblical truth. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives. And I think you do too. I think that we have a great hope and a future And I believe that if you will just continue to love as Jesus loved, when your time comes, I don't know that Jesus will be standing by the Father's right side, but the only way to make sure that we are are walking with Jesus is to walk with Jesus and to walk in love. People say all the time, how do I know that I'm saved? Well, I'm going to preach about eight sermons on conversion, on what it means to be saved um, in September, October, and November. So we'll talk about it, okay? But let me just say this. If you've not walked in love in a long time, there's questions you need to be asking. Because those who have Jesus in them are able to overcome, are able to walk in love. Will we have moments where we fail? Absolutely. But it scares me that so often in the world today, Christians are consistently angry and not filled with the Spirit. Friends, be filled with the Spirit. If you want to see Saul's turn into Paul's, you need the spirit filling your soul. The world is a crazy place filled with crazy people. (laughs) Who need crazy love? Do you hear me? The world is a crazy place. I'm not going to deny it. There's some crazy people out there. I'm not going to deny it. But what do they need? Crazy love. The kind of love that is selfless The kind of love that moves mountains along with faith. And so let me finish with just these words of exhortation. What is the path of salvation? We see Saul at this point is still on the wrong path. And Saul approved of his execution. We see in verse 1a. This is not the the place Saul ends up. But this is where he is. What that reminds me of is even when we've experienced some powerful spiritual Words and feelings, uh, it takes a while sometimes to break into our hearts. So let me just assume something this morning that the Spirit has been working on some of you for a season that you know that it's time to make some decisions for Jesus. It's time to turn from sin and be saved in the name of Jesus. Some of you have been saved, but you have lost your way. You need to be rededicated to Jesus. Some of you have been saved and not followed the Lord in scriptural baptism. You need to be baptized. Whatever element of disobedience is in your life, the path begins with obedience. The path begins with you doing the right thing today. Just because Saul's day of salvation hadn't arrived doesn't mean it wasn't coming. And I want you to know that today is the day for some of you to make that step. It's been working in you. The Spirit, uh, He has been working in you for a long time. Grace, it has been working in you for a long time. But now is the time. And I know that there have been encounters. Some of you have had some strange experiences. You've had people say things to you. You've been in the right place at the right time for God to tell you something. You have been talked to by God. God is reaching out for you. And you've been running. Stop running away from Jesus. And just stop and let him catch you. When Stephen met Saul, the process of heart change began. Saul stopped running and he saw the light. Very simply, hear this trade your rage for Christ's righteousness. Two, leave room for love. And three, walk with Christ and plant the gospel everywhere you go. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit Ridgecrestbaptist.org.